Welcome to Spook Pod. This is Courtney. And this is Emily. Welcome, 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 welcome. <laughs> You're starting us to, off today? Yeah. I was actually doing that. I, I kind of got into the thing. I don't know. Listen, I have a problem. And I, the movie She's the Man was like, I love I that watched movie. It. I that watched it too many movie. times. And I just got, I almost did the like, welcome, welcome to Illyria. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I probably know that movie off by heart. I love that movie. Yeah. Yeah. Listen, still to this day, a huge Amanda Bynes fan. Uh, huge David Cross fan, so like that movie just hit all the. Wait, who's and David I like Shakespeare. Cross? He's he's um Tobias. Oh yes, mm-hmm. yes, love him. I also love what's the Magic Mike guy's name again? Channing Tatum. Yes, that guy. I'm forgetting all the names today. I basically like don't have a brain today. I'm like a goldfish. Uh, you That's almost... right. We barely, we barely exist. Yeah, we yeah, we barely we... did this podcast. So. We, we barely. You almost did not get a podcast this week, and I think that's the first week that we can actually like say that wholeheartedly. It's been this close. Yeah, it was. Yeah. it was really close this week. I have had a mega insane week, and I mean, basically, like since this week has started. The second I've woken up, I've started working, and I have not stopped working until I've went to bed at night, every single day this week. And, uh, like, that is not uh, an exaggeration. (laughs) I also need to clarify, because people, like, probably think, like, oh, she's at home, like, working. Courtney has, like, 900 jobs. Like, I wish... (laughs) That I could be more concise. Like, she has, like, an online job that she does. She has the yoga studio stuff that she does. She has, like, the shit with me that we're doing constantly. She was doing some other side projects this week um, for other things that, like, took up an entire day uh, of her time. And, like, I am sitting here, like, working one job and uh, (laughs) podcasting. And I'm like, I'm sleepy. Yeah. yeah, I don't know why I do this to myself, honestly. Like, every single time I get in one of these, like, really fast-paced spaces, I'm like, okay, like, I'm not doing this anymore. I'm not going to pick up any more projects. I am going to, like, because I have not, I literally have not left, like, this one room that I'm in all week. I have not left it. And I'm in Aruba. Like, I should be, you know, going to the beach, doing, like, fun nice things and i am enjoying it because you have like one week left there and you need to get your shit together i know so i keep telling myself i'm not going to take on any more projects and then someone will ask me and then i'm like well well, that'll just take me a few hours so sure like but no now i need to put my foot down like i am at i'm at capacity anyways we have a case for you today that i did but It's kind of like a little bit of a mini one, just because I didn't have a lot of time uh, for researching this past, these past, uh, this past time of the time. Just be grateful we did anything at all, because I would have thrown in the towel. You have Courtney to thank for being dedicated. Yeah. Just know, I am such a less 
responsible podcaster than she is. Because I, I was like, if it's late, it's late. I <laughs> I texted Emily like, oof, I don't know if I'm going to make it this week. And you're like, okay, no problem. And then I'm like, no, we got to make it this week. Yeah, it was her conscience. It was her conscience that brings you, literally every week it's her conscience that brings you guys a podcast. Because I probably would have like started these both and got lazy three months in and you would have gotten one sporadically every like third month or something. I'd be like, hi, thanks for still being here. And I'm just like this weird person who never stops like once i'm on a trajectory i don't stop anyways let's dive into this case just a little um note i really don't have words today like i have to think about every single word that comes out of my mouth it's a good thing she actually made notes for this episode because she was going to try and wing it and the vocabulary she's working with is that of a toddler so let's be blessed it's normally not much better than that but today it's really bad um so this case it is just a little bit of a mini case. It is more, I really, really like the guy that we're focusing on in this case. I think he was hella The dead cool. guy? Yes. He the was, dead guy. He was murdered. Yes. Yeah, he's dead. Spoiler. But there's not really anything known about his murder, really at all. Like, this is an unsolved case. Another spoiler for you. So Also, stop doing this to me. I hate it. I know. I'm Keep sorry. <laughs> Every time I like come across, I actually specifically like researched unsolved cases when I was looking for this case because I just felt like I wanted something unsolved. I don't know why. You did this to me on purpose. Yeah, I just felt in the mood for an unsolved one today. Mm. So, but it's mostly about this guy's life because... That's pretty much all the information known. But he was really cool. And the reason that he was really cool was because he was one of those, like, absolute math geniuses. Like, a complete prodigy. Like, this guy could do math like nobody could math. He was so good at math. (laughs) Which is just so weird because I am so bad at math that I don't understand people who are good at math. Like that that brain function doesn't make sense to me, which I feel like is me being like, I'm good at English. And someone with like dyslexia or a processing disorder is sitting there like, I don't, that my brain doesn't do those things. That's how I am with math. I'm like, Mm-mm, <laughs> your brain uh, does it not doesn't... compute. Nope. Well, I, I am good at math. I mean, not to brag. Do, do you know but I am really good at math and I love math and I've always loved math I actually well I used to be a math tutor so I I also people. in university and probably to this day her drunken party trick is that she knows how many digits of pi I know 50 do you want me to do it no oh. I don't want you to do it <laughs> well now I feel like I they might want you to do it but I don't want you can do it for them but it's not for me Okay, let me see if I can, because, yeah, so this is really random, but when I was in high school, I just decided one day that I was going to learn 50 digits. Well, actually, my goal was to do 100, but I was like, I'll just do the first 50, and then I'll do the second 50 tomorrow. But I, like, did the first 50, and then the next day I was, like, out of that phase, so I just didn't continue with the second, I just didn't even learn. I didn't even, like, look it up, or I didn't even try to learn the second 50, because I was, like, already past that (laughs) in my brain. But these 50 digits of pi that I memorized in high school, I still know them. 
they do not leave my brain and I don't know why. And it's really weird to me because I don't practice them. Like I graduated high school more than 10 years ago. I don't practice this. It's probably something that maybe I think about it once a year on Pi Day, like March 14th, which is the day I'm getting married, by the way. <laughs> but I I really don't think about it. Like I have gone a span of like two or three years where I don't think about these numbers at all. And then I'll be like, oh yeah, I know 50 digits of Pi. And then I'll just say them. So it's something that I know. So the average person knows 3.14. That's the life. <laughs> I know 3.14159, I believe, is the next yes, few. Yes, that is correct. And that's all I've got. And my brain is like, that's enough. You're showing off. And your <laughs> sick, twisted little mind has like 47 more than the average human does. I know. It's really stupid. There's this like meme that's like, scientists know up to like, yeah, the 3.14159. And if you know any more than that, you're just a jackass. So I'm a jackass, I guess. But let me try to do it because I haven't done it in a really long time now. Although anyone listening, they're not going to know if I'm correct or not. But well, you can. They could Google it. Yeah, yeah. pause the podcast right now. Google the 50 digits of pi. I'm not looking at anything, although I guess I could be cheating. And if I don't do this good, I can. Honestly, she goes too fast. You'll know she's not cheating because of how fast she goes. It's stupid. (laughs) Uh, but if I don't do good at this, I'll just edit it out so no one will yeah, know. Yeah, we'll just completely take this entire part out. No one will know that I failed. Okay, let me do it. Um, okay. 3.14159265358979323846264339502884197169399375105. Yeah, that was it. That was correct. You could use that brain space to memorize credit cards, and you chose (laughs) Pi. I chose Pi. Anyways, that's off topic, but we wanted to get off topic. So back to the murder. (laughs) Back to the murder. Um, So yeah, like what I can do with these Pi numbers, this guy could do times like a million. Like he just had a knack for numbers, which I really actually relate to. I also feel... Like, that's what I'm like. Um, So that's probably just why, like, I liked researching this case. I really like this guy's life. I I think he's really interesting. So without further ado, Willem Klein, that's his name. He was born in Amsterdam on December 4th, 1912. So kind of a long time ago, you know. His father was named Henry Klein and his mother was Emma Cohen. And he also had a twin brother named Leo, who was born right alongside of him. Uh, Their family was Jewish, which being Jewish, living in the Netherlands around this time, is not going to be the best pairing in history. But we'll come to that part later. So Willem, uh, he was mostly called Wim, actually. And he had a lot of stage names, too. Which I like. Listen, listen uh, li- <laughs> Netherlands, we need to talk about your nicknames and your short forms because I don't like it. Whim. Not Will. Whim. Uh, but his father was a doctor with a thriving practice in Amsterdam's Oosterpark neighborhood. His father was really successful, like a very rich doctor. 
And it was clear from a very early age that both Wim and his brother, Leo, were incredibly gifted. Their abilities with numbers, like they're on that savant level. Both Wim and and Leo, they were regularly even examined by a neurologist because of their incredible computing abilities. So this neurologist, he labeled Wim as an auditory calculator and Leo as a visual calculator, meaning that Wim like had to keep mumbling the numbers like silently to himself in order to like kind of solve things with it. Uh, whereas his brother Leo had to keep seeing the numbers in front of him in order to be able to compute things. Um, and actually now today, people speculate that both of the boys were probably autistic and it is with, you know, like with autistic people that we often see these like fascinating mathematical abilities. But for both of them, like social skills was not their strong suit. They preferred the company of numbers. So when Wim, he wasn't even 10 years old yet, like he's younger than 10 and he knew all of his multiplication tables of two digit numbers by heart. So, like, if I said to you, Emily, like, what's 27 times 53? Like, Wim, before he was 10 years old, could just spout it out. I'm pretty good with, like, what's 7 times (laughs) 8? I can handle my 9 times table because you do that trick with your hands where you're like... (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) She's doing the trick right now. (laughs) You can't see it. You can't see it. But you put down a finger. So it's like nine times one, you put down your first finger and you have nine fingers up. Nine times two, you put down your second finger and you have one finger on one side, which counts as a 10. And then eight <laughs> fingers on the other side, which counts as eight. So yeah. it's 18. I actually really like that. And then that so trick. on and so forth with your fingies going up and down and doing the thing. And then you can get the numbers. And that's <laughs> how I live my life. Leave me alone. <laughs> well, yeah, Wim was pretty good at just doing it in his head he also knew all of the squares of all numbers under a thousand so i don't even (laughs) i can't even give an example but like if you say like what's the square root of 900 like he could just rattle it i don't even know if 900 has a square root because i just said a random number because i can't i can't do this uh but wim could he would know the answer so By the time he hit the age of 10, he could factor four-digit numbers off the top of his head. So this means, like, a factor... So, for example, if I chose the number 20, the factors of 20 would be, like, 1, 2, 4, 5, and 10. Like, the numbers that you can divide into... (laughs) Emily's just shaking her head. (laughs) Like, no. (laughs) Doesn't work. But with Wim, like, I could say, like, what are all the factors of 4,986? And he could just list all those numbers. At school, like, they learned fact one. (laughs) One. The answer is one. One is always included, so you're correct. Good job. (laughs) The limit does not exist. (laughs) Did I win? Yeah, good job. Uh, But at school, they learned factoring up to 100 in class. But while the other boys were playing football, Wim was like, yeah, I'm just going to continue all the way up to 10,000. 
Sometimes football just doesn't speak to your heart song, you know? Yeah. And sometimes numbers are way more fun. This was me in class. Like, I... I didn't like gym class. I'm like your, the true nerd. Like, I didn't like gym class. I liked math class. I liked the class where we went, why was six afraid of seven? Because seven, eight, nine. <laughs> That's a class? Yeah, it's called, I didn't do math. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> we just made jokes about numbers and then laughed. Um, so even though Wim was very gifted, he had a really rough childhood. His mother actually was quite sickly, and she ended up unaliving herself in 1929. Which is like, what a stigmatic time to to do that, because... For real. Yeah. Like, those kids, that would have followed that family around. Yeah. In 1929. Exactly. Yeah. And as he grew into his teens, his father really pressured him to become a doctor. Like he was, but Wim didn't want to be a doctor. Like he was like, dad, I really love numbers. I want to be a mathematician. I want to be focusing on doing stuff like that with numbers. And his dad was like, that's not a real job. You need to be a doctor. I just thought this was so like his son is like a literal genius. And his father is like, no, like that doesn't impress me. Like you have to be a doctor. Put your numbers down and pick up your scalpel. (laughs) (laughs) so Wim gave in like he gave into his father's demands and he went to the University of Amsterdam to study medicine and he was doing pretty okay at that like he was passing his exams I don't think that he was putting his whole heart into it he also liked like the nightlife and stuff like while he was studying but he did study medicine but then His father died during his studies in 1937. And now, without having the pressure of his dad's opinion on his shoulders, he he didn't actually drop out. Like, he stayed registered in school, but he, like, stopped going to class, stopped doing all the work, so probably, like, just failed out. Like, this this was not what he wanted to pursue, and as soon as his dad was gone, he basically didn't even pretend anymore. And after his father died, he also came out as a homosexual. So I think his dad was like really holding him back. Again, like what, what a time in the world to do that as well. Because a very unforgiving era. Mm -hmm. This kid just had a lot of obstacles going on in his life. Uh, just being forced into the wrong job, (laughs) (laughs) hiding who he actually was, having a mother with maybe some mental health issues that resulted in her, you know, not being around. Uh, Yeah, just... uh, Yeah, and let's let's not forget he's Jewish and something is coming (laughs) shortly after 1937 when his dad died. (laughs) So... I don't mean to laugh at that like it's funny, <laughs> but I'm... anyways. <laughs> no, it's just morbid. It's morbid to us. It's not a funny situation. Yeah, it's a... Hitler was bad. I think... <laughs> yes. <laughs> just want to like blanket statement. We don't like Hitler. <laughs> I think that is something... Like I would say that is something that can be universally said, but for some reason there's some people out there... That don't think Hitler was all that bad. Even today, they're like, no, he's, uh, he's, I want to look like him. I want to be like him. I want to. <laughs> it's very weird. Do the things that he did. 
So, yeah, his father dies. He comes out as homosexual. Like, he's basically just embracing fully who he is now at this point. He's got no dad to tell him what to do anymore. And he was actually left a pretty nice inheritance. So he was just enjoying himself. However, this is like a little bit sad. So he, he really liked the nightlife. He really liked drinking. But he said that he was not the romantic sort. And he really couldn't kind of connect with people on a deep level. Uh, which, again, which honestly makes so much sense if they think that they were autistic yeah, because exactly. like forming those connections is so challenging. Yeah, so he could never really find a partner and he mostly relied on like paying men for services, which he often did. Like he frequently went out to bars and would pay men to come home with him. So he really dove into this lifestyle after his father died, but he didn't get to do it for long, as we just mentioned, uh, because in 1940, the Germans invaded the Netherlands. And because Willem was Jewish, he had to go into hiding by 1942. His brother Leo uh, also went into hiding, but unfortunately Leo was captured during a raid and taken to an extermination camp where he ended up dying. So now Willem is the only one left alive in his family, and he managed to survive the entire war hiding in Amsterdam. And when the war was done, he decided, okay, like, enough's enough, I'm going to do what I want to do, and he got a pretty interesting job. He started performing. So he started, (laughs) this is kind of funny, but he started in Amsterdam at the Rosen Theater, And he started with this act. It was probably pretty, like, racist, I guess we would say at this time. But he, like, dressed up with, like, a turban and a goatee. And he had some, like, Muslim name that he put on himself. And he would do shows as a math prodigy doing, like, calculations. So, like, essentially blackface. But I'm going to say right now... That is terrible as blackface is, and we do not agree with it. It was super prominent in the Netherlands. Like, they even... They still like, do I think it today. Because there is, like, Black Peter, and he yeah. is, like, part of their Zwarte celebrations Piet. and stuff. Yeah, Zwarte yeah. Piet. Well, there are lots of... Um, what's the word? I've lost my words again. There, There's lots of people protesting against Zwarte Piet in the Netherlands, but they do, they do still do it. Yeah, but yeah, so he was doing that. He was doing this act as like a Muslim person, but he wasn't getting very much success, which I'm glad about. Uh, so he he shifted his act where now he didn't dress up anymore. He just played himself, and himself being like a little sloppily dressed man. He wore like really huge black rimmed glasses, like the really thick glasses. That, like magnified his eyeballs <laughs> and during his act he would like kind of act a little bit crazy like he'd run angrily up and down on the stage he would mumble to himself he would hiss like a cat and he would like write things on a blackboard really quick and then wipe them off again like things like that and he would be doing these really intense mathematical calculations as he did it So he started kind of doing this all over Amsterdam at different shows. And 
Eventually, his name came out that they they called him Pascal the Dutch Math Prodigy. And he started to have some success in Amsterdam doing these shows. So he decided, why not take my act abroad? And he joined the circus. So he would go around the Netherlands, Belgium, and France uh, performing in the circus. Sometimes he would perform in a small theater in France. Sometimes he would also perform as a street artist. Like he could be found at the entrance to a metro station, like trying to avoid policemen because in France he wasn't allowed to do this and they would deport him if he was caught. But he would just do little tricks for people for money in the streets So he lived like a really nomadic life, kind of moving around Europe in the circus and little shows for a really long time. Like he was just a nomad chilling around, which I think actually sounds like a pretty fun life. (laughs) Yeah, it's pretty sweet. Um, He had another stage name, which was Willie Wartel. So in Dutch... To find the square root of a number is called Worteltrekken, which I think is really funny because that loosely translates. Wartel. Sorry. <laughs> Wartel. It could be it could be a Pokemon, or it yeah. could be like it translates to like carrot rooting. Like a wartel is a carrot, so it, like like rooting a vegetable, you know, like finding the root of a number. So that's why he called himself Willy Wartel or Willy Carrots. But then in 1952, after he's been living this nomadic life, he decided, like, okay, I'm going to go get a real job, quote, unquote. And he was hired by the Mathematical Center in Amsterdam as a scientific calculator. So at this point in history, computers were still, like, in their infancy, so you couldn't just easily use a computer or a calculator or something to, like, do these advanced math questions that they would do. So they actually had people that they hired as computers, like people to compute. That's actually where the name computer comes from because first it was these people that they called computers. And then when the machines started to be able to do it instead, they just called those machines their computers. Uh, So Willem got this math job And he did a really good job at it. He was really liking it. And in 1954, the International Congress of Mathematicians was held in Amsterdam. So he attended this and he performed there. And when he got back into that performing, he was then inspired to go do shows again. So he went back to live this nomadic lifestyle again after like, kind of getting like a big boy job he's like yeah no i'm just gonna not for me i didn't like it (laughs) not for me i'm just gonna go on the road and i'm just gonna perform math shows for people and again he found quite a bit of success this time internationally like in places like the united states and japan so he did that again for a few years until he was eventually hired by cern i think it's called cern c-e-r-n Uh, in 1958. So he moved to Switzerland for this job. And CERN is like, uh, it's like a big computer company here. Like, it was kind of like one of those companies that was like the birthplace of computers, you know. Uh, So he went to work there again as a computer. (laughs) 
Not the machine, a computer, the person, a computer. Nope, the machine. <laughs> His friends at CERN, they, they were like, he has an incredible memory for numbers, but not people. Like, they said that to some of them, he introduced himself six times. Like, he just did not really care <laughs> about people that's a vi- all. That's a vibe. Yeah, like, that's a full-on vibe. That like, is I a just... full-on vibe. I'm like that, too. <laughs> he was also quoted as saying... Switzerland is a beautiful country. It's just too bad so many Swiss people live there. (laughs) That's kind. Yeah, that's very kind. (laughs) Um, So as he's working as this computer at CERN, we're now starting to get into the world where computers are becoming better, right? Like electronic computers are starting to become quicker. They're starting to be able to do intense math problems instantly. So Willem was kind of going obsolete at this time. And starting in the 1960s, like they don't really need him that much anymore because they can, instead of being like, hey, Willem, what's the answer to this? They can just punch it into their computer and get the answer. Yeah. So by the 1960s, he was essentially just being used as the mascot for CERN which he really, really hated. Did not like that. Yeah, I can't see that going over, like, super well. Yeah, like, you have this big, important job, and you can do math really good, and everyone's all impressed, and then all of a sudden, you know, you kind of get beat by a machine. That sucks. Uh, So he was also growing homesick at this time, so he decided he's just going to retire early, he's going to move out of Switzerland, and he's going to go back to the Netherlands, which he did. He doesn't like the Swiss people anyways, so. (laughs) He probably doesn't like the Dutch people either, but (laughs) the Netherlands is his home, so he moved back uh, in 1976. And he continued here just doing calculations for show. He went on TV shows, all that sort of stuff. But actually, it was around this time that he started becoming more focused on breaking records. Like, he was really interested in, in, instead of just performing, like, actually, like, getting a record for it. Uh, And he did have several records in the Guinness Book of World Records. So one of them was for finding the 19th root of a 133-digit number in under a minute and a half. I don't know what that means. <laughs> so picture picture a number that is so big that it has 133 numbers in it. Like that is a yeah. very big number. Yeah, and, yeah, I'm there with you. And then you're just like, yeah, find the 19th root of that. And he's like, okay, no problem. And he just does it in his head in less than a minute. I just, in my brain, it doesn't make sense that there's more than one root. It essentially means like... A number times itself 19 times. So if you go like 2 times 2 times nope, 2 times nope, 2. Fuck that. <laughs> no, fuck it. So he could find what number was multiplied by itself 19 times to become this 133-digit number. Nothing. There's no... Why would you... Why do you need to do that? <laughs> For clout? <laughs> That's like taking the word supercalifragilisticexpialidocious and being like... What one letter inspired its creator to come up with this word? Like, no, fuck you. (laughs) That's what that means. 
Yeah. So that was uh, one of his records. Um, and then he kind of continually kept beating this record. He also, and this one I don't understand, so I can't explain this one to you, Emily, but he divided a four-digit number into 10 different sums of four squares in 43.8 seconds. Nope. That one, nope, I, have fuck no, it. I have no idea what that means. <laughs> you might as well, you're not speaking English to me at this point. <laughs> because, like, all the words individually, I understand. I understand, like, what you're saying when you say a four-digit number and I understand what you're saying when you say 10 different sums and I understand what you're saying when you say four squares in that amount of time but when you combine all of those things <laughs> together my brain goes and yeah, there's just like, like a beeping so, like do? I don't understand yeah what that are you one talking about that one is confusing to me as well but maybe it also like I translated this from Dutch so maybe it went a little funky in my translation I don't know no, it's just math math is stupid don't do math <laughs> or it could just be math <laughs> so yeah so he's he's doing all this after he retires and he also really threw himself into the nightlife again during this time apparently he would go out dressed like in a sailor suit that's so fucking cute I'm sorry <laughs> but again he he always like his whole life he always had to pay men to come home with him like he could never find a partner he was apparently really lonely which is really sad again i think it was also the time he was in because i feel like if this dude existed in our current world he would be able to connect with more people on the level that he was like working at like mathematically and like whatever and you would find other people that you could perhaps strike up a romance with. The internet is a blissful place when it comes yeah. to meeting other people. You also get catfished a hell of a lot more. <laughs> but there's so much more potential for someone who has maybe like a relationship building difficulty to to do the relationship building in a scenario that's present in today's world. Uh, as opposed to, you know, the 1940s, 50s where this guy probably was very isolated in, you know, the Netherlands and alone doing his math equations. Yeah, and the fact that he's like an un he's probably undiagnosed autistic. Like I've watched Love on the Spectrum. I love that show so much, but this seems to be a thing that that happens to them where they're just kind of like if they go undiagnosed, like this was a time before autism was really understood. So people just think he's like socially awkward, you know? People just think he's sounds like our other podcast that weird that weird <laughs> kid that does math yeah yeah so. our other podcast the uh the mostly awkward podcast where we talk about how we're mostly awkward and you know <laughs> how we live very much relate to whim's life but yeah so people just probably were just like oh that guy's socially awkward and he just had a really hard time connecting with people because of it not to mention the fact that he was still like he's a very very heavy drinker but that never affected his math abilities. It's probably like that thing, though, where, like, when you, if you learn something while you're drunk, you can just do it while you're, like, <laughs> like you in Spanish. <laughs> True. But then on August 1st, 1986, Wim's housekeeper found him dead in his home in Amsterdam. He had been brutally murdered with a knife. Everything in his house was, like, upturned. There was blood everywhere. And the police just kind of concluded at the time that it was probably a burglary. 
Uh, he was 74 when he died. And when it came to the investigation, there really wasn't one. Like, they arrested one guy that they thought, I, I guess he became a suspect somehow, but there was no evidence that this guy was involved in any way, and then he was soon released. And it's been almost 40 years now since Wim was murdered, and the case remains unsolved. There's really not much else known about it at all. Which is also, I think you might be able to say, so this is my, this is my theory. Well, I really don't think at this point that this case ever will be solved because we're like 40 years in now. I don't think they're putting a lot of manpower into solving this. And at this point, whoever did it like is probably even dead by now. Uh, but my theory is that it was... Unless it was like a child that killed him and then maybe they're still alive. <laughs> right. But Well, I mean, if they were... I mean, they could be alive, but, like, if they were around his age, they wouldn't be, right? Because he was born in 1912. So, yeah, it depends on how young the guy was. But but my theory is that it was probably one of his lovers. Like, I think he probably brought someone back to his house, and that person murdered and robbed him, probably. And I also think that because, like like what you said about how this was, like, not a very understanding time to be gay. Like, I think that the police probably just didn't really go into that circle, you know, to really do a big investigation that they should have done. So that is my little mini story that I brought you today on poor Wim. I think he had a really interesting life. I think he was a really cool guy. And it sucks that he had to meet such a terrible ending yeah, I think it sucks that he didn't find anybody to share his life with because he sounds like a fun dude once he got past all the uh, uh, circus performing. <laughs> you know? I like the circus performing aspect. Of I it. like it. But listen, if you ever date a guy and he's like, I work in the circus, make sure it's Cirque du Soleil and not the fair that rolls through town where he drives a rusty Ferris wheel. You know, like, know who you're And with. has like three teeth. <laughs> yeah. There's a difference between a carny and a circus performer, and you need to know it. I like to think he was classy with his with his thick, black-rimmed glasses. But Gl hey. Glasses don't fix everything. <laughs> I think I would have had a lot of fun doing math problems with him. My brother is like this. Like, me and my brother, when we play Yahtzee or any card games, like, if you know the card game Crib, love that game, but... My brother does like Don't brag about how you and your brother are eighty year old women. <laughs> don't don't do it. Is it only eighty year old women that play crib? Yeah. Crib and backgammon? <laughs> I don't know backgammon. I can't Euchre? <laughs> okay, I love Euchre. Bridge? <laughs> do you have a bridge club that No, I've never played bridge. But crib is really fun. But if you know crib, like you have to count pairs of like what adds up to 15 so you're like i when i count i'm like 15 2 15 4 15 6 and my brother can just look at my hand and be like you have eight points like he just i don't know he or even like he'll get a hand and he'd be like oh my god i have 20 hit 20 points and he like just glances at it for a second and i don't know how he does that so courtney's brother also the infamous poker swindler <laughs> Yeah, my brother's so, quite good at poker. I wonder why. <laughs> I think if my brother had 
really applied himself. He could have been a whim type. But my brother also likes well, hey, whim. I like- think if you're I think if your brother was slightly more nefarious, he could have given Vegas a run for its money. <laughs> yeah, but anyways, hey, Wim's murder is unsolved. So if you were in Amsterdam back in 1986 and you know anything about And you it, saw an old man in a sailor suit get knifed, <laughs> come forward. And- <laughs> yeah, come forward. Maybe there's still hope for Wim after all. But other than that, we will see you next week, and hopefully we'll be a little bit more organized with a new case. I doubt it. Don't give them false hope. Don't leave them on (laughs) like that. We're going to be a mess, and that's what you're here for, and don't pretend like it's otherwise. (laughs) All right. See you next week. Bye. Thank you so much for listening. If you liked this episode, please listen, rate, review, and follow all episodes of Spook Pod. New ones are out every Friday. Available now for free on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. Want to talk to us? Have questions? You can email us at thespookpod at gmail.com or follow us on TikTok, Instagram, Twitter, and Reddit at SpookPod. For a full list of episodes, more deets, or to see what's coming next, visit our website, spookpod.com. This has been a presentation of Mostly Awkward Media. See See you next week. week!